in Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, or wherever you are joining from. Welcome to Fresh Angle. I am your host, Danielle, welcoming you to Season 2. Fresh Angle invites you to hear about new, exciting ways to see God, yourself, and others. How do thriving relationships sound? Guilt and shame gone. Hope, peace, meaning, purpose, and a joy that can withstand whatever life throws at you can be your normal. We often fail to realize these things all have a common source, a clear understanding of who God is, of how He feels about us, and how knowing the truth changes everything. Stay tuned as Pastor Dan brings us a fresh angle on God, life, love, and the things that matter the most. Hey, welcome back to Fresh Angle. I want to take you on a journey this evening. It's a journey that some of you perhaps have been on before. It's a journey perhaps some of you have seen, but it's a journey that I know most have never seen. One of the reasons why you haven't seen it is because it's easy to not look at. Here's what I mean. When you go to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, you will find a list of so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat And if you're anything like I used to be, you just skip over those sections until you get back to a story. I skipped over them because I thought, I don't know most of these people. What difference does it make? I just want to know what happens next. Here we are in the Christmas season, even though it's not the time of year when Jesus was actually born, it is the time of year where we think about it, where most people think about it. And since that's where we are as a culture, Matthew chose to begin his story of the life of Jesus with so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And if you know anything about public speaking or essay writing or book writing, you know that if you don't grab your audience right off the bat, you don't have an audience. They'll check out and go to something else somewhere else. Why would Matthew begin with a snooze fest? Well, the truth is he didn't. And if we were Jewish reading it, it would have a lot more impact. Because we're not Jewish, let's dig into it. Now, this is a series on the women of the Bible, and you might be wondering, what does this have to do with the women of the Bible? That's exactly the point. The genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 is the only genealogy in the entire Bible, and there are many of them in the Bible. The only one that includes any women, and it includes several. Not only does it include several women, but the women that it includes do not enhance the credibility of the Jewish nation. They do not enhance the credibility of the purity or the virtue of the line of Jesus. They do quite the opposite. And it's not because any of those women or all of those women are bad people, far from it. It's because of the circumstances surrounding their role in the story. So I'm going to do this rapid fire because we only have 10 minutes together. The first woman is Tamar. Now you may have no idea who Tamar is and that would be completely understandable. She enters the Bible in Genesis 38 and she exits the Bible in Genesis 38. Other than a few places where her name is mentioned like in Matthew chapter 1. Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah the son of Jacob, Jacob the son of Isaac, Isaac the son of Abraham. Judah is the great-grandson of Abraham, credited with being the father of the Jewish nation. Of course, the term Israel didn't come into the story until Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. So in that sense, Judah is the first descendant, his generation are the first descendants of Jacob slash Israel. There were 12 boys in the family. Joseph was one of them, and you probably know Joseph much better than any of the rest of them. The boy with the coat of many colors, the boy who ended up being sold as a slave into Egypt by his jealous brothers, the boy who ended up being second in command in Egypt with Pharaoh, the boy who saved the nation by gathering grain and saving it, Joseph. 
When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, Judah, it seems, felt so guilty for what they did and how they hurt their father and how they lied and betrayed, he ran away from home. Chapter 38 is a story of Judah living his life away from home. He comes back later, as we know. But in his time away, it says he went down. And when the Bible says you go down, it doesn't mean direction. It means morality. It means towards God or away from God. He went down. He went down and he lived with, quote, foreigners. And he married a foreigner. And then they had three sons. And if you read the story of the three sons in Genesis 38, it's like he's getting more and more distant from his own family. He names his first son. He doesn't name his second son, which is highly unusual. And he's not even home when his third son is born. Those boys grow up and the first son marries Tamar. Then he dies because of cultural law. It's actually a blessing the way God set it up, but that's another story for another day. We've touched on it in other episodes previously, and we've touched on Tamar's story in a much previous episode. You can go back and find that one on the website if you wish. She is given to the second son because that's culturally how they did it. This son dies. So now he has one son left and he has Tamar. Culturally, Levitical law, he should have given her to his remaining son, Shelah but he doesn't. In his mind, he's superstitious. He thinks, God has killed my other two boys because of this girl. I'm not giving her my third son. She now is in a very difficult position. She has no husband, but she belongs to this family. She's not free to marry anyone else. She's basically stuck in limbo. And when you are in a culture where you can't own anything and you can't do anything financially and economically, she's literally stuck. So Judah tells her to go home and live off her parents until his son gets old enough. That was his excuse. Time passes, nothing changes. She's not stupid. She knows nothing's going to change. Long story short, she disguises herself as a prostitute. That means Judah is frequenting prostitutes. He does. He gets her pregnant, not knowing that it's her because she veils herself. And so they have twin boys, a father and his daughter-in-law, a Jewish Israelite father and his non-Jewish, non-Israelite daughter-in-law have twin boys together. By any metric, by any explanation, that is scandalous. Jesus says, Matthew, put Tamar's name in there. The next woman is Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute running an inn slash brothel in Jericho. The two spies sent into Jericho stayed at the inn slash brothel while they were spying out the city. She finds out who they are. She knows what God has done for them. She wants to be part of what God is doing. She knows that their only hope is in God. And she says to them, can you please save my mother and my father and my brothers and my sisters and my family? And they tell her, you hang a scarlet cord from your window and we will save anyone, anyone who's in your house. That prostitute, Rahab, ends up marrying one of those spies and is grafted into the family line of Jesus. Again, a non-Jewish, non-Israelite prostitute. The next woman, Ruth. Now we just finished a series on Ruth. If you didn't catch that, you can go back again on the website and catch it. Amazing story. But Ruth is a Moabite. And the Moabites were descended from Lot and his incestuous relationship with his two daughters after they left Sodom. Jesus says, I want people to remember. Put her name down. The next woman is Bathsheba. Bathsheba, who David took because he's the king and he can have whoever and whatever he wants. Whether she was consenting or not consenting, we don't know. Likely not. 
has his way with her. She gets pregnant. His solution to that, to hide what he did, was to bring Uriah back from the battle where he was fighting, bring him home and give him a vacation with his wife. He's too loyal to the army and too loyal to the cause to sleep with his wife. He was hoping he would, and then when he came home later and found her pregnant, he would assume it was his. Uriah wouldn't do that. So now David has a big problem. She is pregnant, and he has not slept with her, and now he's going to know that whoever is the father is not him. He sends Uriah back to the front line with a message to give to the commander of the army that is his own death warrant. So now David has taken slash violated slash perhaps raped an innocent woman, killed her husband to hide the pregnancy. Nasty. Jesus says, I want people to remember. Matthew, write it down. So you can see, and we're not even done yet, but much we have time for today, you can see that if you're a Jewish person and you're reading the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, it is not a snooze fest. It is scandal after scandal after... No way did they write that down. No way is that recorded. No way did our Messiah come from that. But an honest Jew cannot deny that number one, there's no such thing as a pure Jewish bloodline, and number two, the family line that goes from Abraham to David and David to Jesus is polluted with sin. And then Jesus had Matthew the tax collector write that down because he wanted them and he wanted us to know unto us a son is born unto us a savior is given choirs singing carols bells are ringing streets are bright it's Christmas all around me so why is Christmas hard to find December snow is falling down like I am to my knees. I could use some hope right now, cause right now hope is hard to see. Help me still believe. For God so loved this broken world, He sent His only Son to a carpenter and a teenage girl. To show us all his love He left his home in heaven To make heaven my home My Emmanuel is with me And I'll never be alone Down here my heart can't find much to believe in But I still believe in Christmas Still believe in healing for the weary and the hurt In a world that's so divided Still believe in peace on earth Still believe that love is strong Enough to conquer hate And in a world that won't believe it Still believe enough to say For God so loved this broken world he sent his only son to a carpenter and a teenage girl to show us all his love. He left his home in heaven to make heaven my home. My Emmanuel is with me and I'll never be alone. Down here my heart can't find much to believe in. But I still believe in Christmas Still believe in Christmas
still believe in Jesus, the name above all names. Savior in a manger and a star that leads the way. Help us all believe. For God so loved this broken world, He sent His only Son to a carpenter and a teenage girl to show us all His love. He left His home in heaven to make heaven my home. My Emmanuel is with me and I'll never be alone. Down here my heart can't find much to believe in, but I still believe in Christmas. Still believe in Christmas. Who did he come to save? The lost. Does that include you? It sure includes me. There could be no better gift. There could be no better truth. And that's why it is under attack so much. If you don't believe me, just check out my YouTube channel and see the comments when I talk about Jesus and who he was. We'll see you next time. Have a Merry Christmas. We're glad you stayed and invite you to join us next week for another Fresh Angle. While you are waiting, be sure to stop by our website at www.freshangle.ca. Don't be satisfied with less than the truth about God and how He sees you. If your experience with religion so far has been more fear than faith, shame than humble confidence, guilt than joy, or confusion instead of clarity, you have come to the right place and we look forward to having you back next week. <laughs>